The fifth fruit in Paul's list is kindness. In the King James Version, kindness is called gentleness. The best way to understand this is by looking at the one who is perfect kindness, namely, our Father in Heaven. Kindness is the characteristic that led God to provide salvation for us. Kindness leads God to give us green pastures, quiet waters, and the restoration of our souls when we're weary. It is God's tender care that makes Him want to gather us under His wings to protect us and keep us close to Him. And when the Spirit works in us, the resulting character is of one allowing the Holy Spirit to develop maturity in his or her life. The Greek word for kindness means benignity, tender concern, uprightness. It is kindness of heart and kindness in action. Good morning, everybody. And we are now at uh, the halfway mark, just a little bit past the halfway mark. And uh, here we are talking about kindness. Let me give you uh, a simple uh, definition of that word kindness. Christotis is a Greek word, and it means to be friendly to others, to be compassionate, uh, considerate, sympathetic, humane, kind, or gentle. And if you have the King James Bible, uh, you will see that instead of showing it as kindness, it comes up uh, as gentle. Well, the gentleness that, uh, that we're talking about here is a gentleness that comes across as kindness. Yesterday, I did the funeral service for Mrs. Hiller. Does everybody or anybody remember Mr. and Mrs. Hiller? They lived on William Avenue, and uh, it, was, uh, it was so sad. Poor Ed, he'd been married for 66 years. As soon as I walked in, he he, uh, I put my head down to hear what he had to say because he could hardly hear him. But he said, she said, he said, I asked her to marry me. And uh, she said, not a chance. <laughs> but uh, she ended up marrying me and they were together all these years. Well, she is really one of the uh, kindest people that I have ever known, a wonderful, godly Christian woman. And I think it's the only time I've ever been at a funeral service where all the children of, of the deceased parent actually stood up and talked about how much they loved their mother, how kind she was, and uh, how godly she was. It was very moving, very touching, but what a fantastic testimony. And, uh, and I'm so glad, I mean, in this day and age when people don't want to do funerals anymore, I thought how wonderful that this was the last opportunity that she had to glorify God and, and so that everybody, everybody could actually see what a wonderful, godly woman she was. And of course, the godliness that is evident in her life was the, uh, this, this wonderful kindness. I was a recipient of her kindness, and uh, every Christmas she would come to me with a Christmas card, and it would have a crisp $50 bill in it. Hint, hint. <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I don't need it. But at the time, uh, before Gloria was working and, uh, and we were uh, subsisting on, on one salary, uh, I'll tell you, it sure was a blessing, especially at Christmas time, 
But uh, I'll tell you what really made it special, and that is that she uh, and her husband were supporting uh, her two children who were both missionaries, and they were both uh, on pensions. They had nothing. And what little bit they had, they were quick to share with others. Well, folks, this is what real kindness is. And to understand kindness, sometimes what we need to do is we need to look to examples of it so that we understand, oh, yeah, that's what it means. Because for so many of us, although we would be able to kind, kind of give a definition of kindness, it, it's, it still remains sort of abstract. So I'm pointing to someone like Mrs. Hiller, for instance, who was truly a godly and kind person. Now, here's what a lot of people don't know about Mrs. Hiller, is that through the years, she suffered something terrible with, with arthritis. But in spite of the fact that she could have been a cranky old lady, and now that I'm 60, I know what it is to be a cranky old man. <laughs> she could have been a cranky old lady, but in fact, she was full of joy, full of life, really, really a person full of the fruit of the Spirit. And, uh, and that really uh, touched my heart very greatly, very deeply. And uh, so I want you to understand something about the fruit of the Spirit. Number one, we've gone over this before, but I need to tell you again, you need to be a Christian. You need to be born again in order to manifest the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Why? Because it is the fruit of the Spirit, not the fruit of Alan Duncalf. It's the fruit of the Spirit. And so Mrs. Hiller, she would never take credit for her kindness because she would say what? She'd say, it's all God working in me and through me. And so that's, the, that's what it is. And this is why none of us should be taking credit for anything, anything good. We should give all the glory to God. Why? Because it's his Holy Spirit that's working in us and through us. Now, some of you, I know many of you here today, uh, very really, I would say, the cream of the crop, some wonderful godly people in this room. And uh, if, if you let me, I could, I could stand up here and I could tell everybody how wonderful you are and all the great things that you do. But that would be wrong. Why? Because as Christians, you understand that it's the Holy Spirit working in you and through you, and that's why you do what you do as a Christian. Now, when it comes to doing bad things, that, I'm afraid you're going to have to take credit for yourself. <laughs> but we're talking about the work of the Spirit. The Spirit produces these wonderful things in us. So I'm so happy, so excited to share with you this morning this fruit of the Spirit, which we call kindness. And remember, it's, it says fruit. It doesn't say fruits of the Spirit. How many, for how many was that a revelation? You didn't know that. It's not fruits of the Spirit, but it's fruit. It's an all-or-nothing package. And this is why... We need to understand that this is a checklist that we go through. And I asked everybody to memorize this checklist. and Everybody did, right? All in favor? So you did memorize it. Good for you. So this is what I'm doing. I'm constantly checking the fruit of the Spirit, especially when I drive. And Pastor Chris was just driving with me uh, on Thursday and Friday. Well, so was Pastor Joel and Janet. But um, it's something I had to keep going through in my head, making sure that I drive like a Christian. <laughs> And not like a Duncalf. <laughs> okay, so you know what I'm talking about this morning. So Paul tells us in Galatians 5, 16 to 17, that, that we, uh, we need to be guided by the Holy Spirit. So he says, 
Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. So how many know today that there's a battle going on inside of you? Everybody knows that? If you didn't know that, surprise, <laughs> this is the Christian life. We've got the, the, what we call the sinful nature, or if you have a King James Bible, we call it the flesh. The flesh is warring against the spirit in us. And, uh, and so Paul goes on to say the sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. Has anybody experienced that? So we as Christians, we don't pretend like we're perfect, right? Isn't that right? Does anybody here pretend they're perfect? Good, because if you do, no, we, we don't pretend we're perfect. No, we, we, we're, we as Christians understand who we are and what we have been saved from, and so we are quick to declare and admit that, that by nature, left to our own nature, we're, uh, we're not that great. Well, at least I'm not. So Paul says, uh, the sinful nature wants to do evil. And I know that my sinful nature wants to do evil. Anybody else's sinful nature wanting to do evil? Of course, of course. And the fact is, we all have it, amen? Yeah. And he goes on to say, and the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. Now you understand what's going on in your life. So you shouldn't be surprised or shocked at what's going on. You thought, maybe you thought to yourself, well, I became a Christian. I don't understand why I'm struggling like this. Well, now you know. This is the battle. This is the fight that will go on until the day that we leave this old world and enter into the presence of the Almighty God. Hallelujah. And the sanctifying work will be over. Sanctification's done, and now comes glorification. Well, we'll be just like Jesus. Hallelujah. That's what we're looking forward to. But in the meantime, while we're still here, we need to understand what's going on in our lives. So a believer who is not actively involved in, in uh, resisting evil and, and, and obviously seeking to do good is not being led by the Spirit. So you need to know that this whole business of of living out the fruit of the Spirit is something that you need to cooperate with the Spirit on. And I'll talk more about that in just a moment. But Paul tells Timothy, young, young Timothy in the second letter, chapter two, that the faithful believer is not an observer. Folks, we're not observers. How many understand that? We're not observers, but we're good soldiers of Christ Jesus, Paul says, who is, and we are engaged in the active service of the Lord. So, for those of you who believe that Christianity was just a religion where you show up, you cross yourself, you listen to a few, uh, few wise words, you, you, you go through the liturgy, whatever, you've observed it, and you go home. That's not Christianity. That's just pure, plain religion. What we're talking about here is active Christianity or active religion, if you want to use that term, where we are cooperating with the Holy Spirit. So your sinful nature will resist being kind, and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about kindness. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Your sinful nature is going to resist that, that prompting of the Spirit in you to be kind. Did you know that? 
Now, sometimes it's easy to be kind. Like, for instance, you've got little children, and they're so beautiful, they smell good, and they look good, as long as they don't mess their diaper. They're, 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 they're little creatures you want to be kind to. But then they grow up, <laughs> and it's maybe not quite, quite so easy. But nevertheless, your sinful nature will resist being kind, and therefore, we must learn to fight that sinful nature. And we call this being spirit-led. Get it? So we want to be spirit-led. So let's talk about that. So as people who are spirit-led, we have the fruit of the spirit in our lives. Now, I showed you earlier a definition of kindness. But let me say again, the best way for us to understand what kindness is, is to, in fact, Look to the one who is the kindest of all. Who is the kindest one of all? Amen. That's right. And you are absolutely correct in that. So let's take a look then at what Paul tells Titus in chapter 3, verses 3 to 7. And again, Paul helps us understand what kindness is by pointing us to God himself. So here's what he says to to Titus. He says, and, and see if you can identify with this. He says, once we too were foolish and disobedient. We were misled and became slaves to many lusts and pleasures. Our lives were full of evil and envy, and we hated each other. But when God our Savior revealed his kindness and love, he saved us. Not because of the righteous things that we had done, but because of his mercy, he washed away our sins, giving us a new birth, and new life through the Holy Spirit. How many know today that God saved you, not because you were so wonderful? You understand that, right? Remember what we were talking about earlier, about the sinful nature? That's us. God reached out in kindness and mercy to us, and he saved us in spite of the fact that we were foolish and disobedient. Again, can you relate to this? So anybody says, I can't go to your church because I'm not good enough, I'd say, well, come on in. <laughs> Join the rest of us. We are all equally in need of God's grace. And everybody said, yeah, that's right. We were all foolish and disobedient, and some of us even today are still foolish and disobedient. In fact, some of you were foolish and disobedient on the way to church and in the car and getting ready for church, and maybe even when you walked in the door. I don't know. Paul goes on to say to Titus, God generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Because of his grace, he made us right in his sight and gave us confidence that we will inherit eternal life. Hallelujah. Wow, 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 wow. This is the gospel. This is the good news. God is at work in us. We're not observers, we are participants in the great promise of Almighty God. Hallelujah, this is the good news, this is the gospel. God is working in us, he is transforming us, he is renewing us, he is making us like Jesus. Wow. Now our tendency, however, is to be unkind. Does everybody know that? Well, not always, right? Anybody here always? Oh, God's good. 
because we are created in the image of God, so we do know what kindness is, and we know how to be kindness once in a while because we were created in his image. The problem is, is mixed with this image of God now is what we call the sin nature, and it's constantly getting in the way. And this is why so many people are actually confused when we talk about the fact that they're sinners, and they'll say, well, hold on, and I do good. I'm kind to my cat. I never kick my cat. I, I always feed my dog, I always give him water, I always let him play, I always take him for a walk. I'm a good person, I've never, I've never murdered anybody. And so we're, we may be a little bit confused about our nature. And this is why the Lord Jesus gave us a Sermon on the Mount so he could reveal to us what we're really like. He says, well, look, I know you didn't murder anybody, but the problem is, is that if you thought hateful things about your brother, well, that's the same as murder. It's like, oh, yeah, right. Oh. That's the true fact of the matter, isn't it? So we, let's, let's understand what true righteousness is. We quickly recognize there's not one of us that's able to produce true righteousness in our lives. Every one of us needs the Holy Spirit to empower us and enable us to be like God. So our tendency is to be unkind to those who have been foolish and disobedient. Isn't that right, parents? Isn't that something that you fight once in a while? Isn't that sometimes you beat yourself up at the end of the day and you think, oh, I'm such a terrible parent. Maybe you're sitting here today in self-condemnation. And it's good for you to feel, feel guilty. But the good news is that you can come to the Lord and you can confess your sin and you can confess your sin to your children or to your husband or to your wife or to your boss or to the people you work with or to your neighbor. That's what you have to do. You actually need to confess when you've been unkind. You need to apologize. The wonderful thing about children is when a parent apologizes to a child, unless the child's a little psychopath, the child will always say, it's okay, mommy, it's okay, daddy. They will love you. They will embrace you. They'll embrace you for your honesty and your authenticity. So we, we by nature, we like people to suffer for their stupidity. Isn't that right? So there's, a, there's a, a TV show, I don't know if you've seen it, called Stupid Criminals. Or something. It's called something like that. Has anybody seen that? And it shows these video clips of, of people breaking into stores, and then they break in, they, they get their foot caught in something, and the cops arrive, and, and everybody's, oh, that was great. Did you see he got what he deserves? This is, this is, this is our, our natural tendency. And, uh, and of course, I'm glad that he got caught. But that's not the point. The point is, is that we do want people to suffer for their stupidity. That is the human nature. And I want you to see something now. I want you to see that God is calling us to regulate ourselves by his spirit. And that we would show kindness regardless if a person deserves it or not. Did you get that? Regardless of if a person deserves it or not. That's what kindness is. Kindness is given to those who are not necessarily deserving of it. Folks, this is what we're fighting in ourselves. We're fighting in ourselves this human tendency, this human nature, this sinful nature to pass judgment and to be unkind. Now, I've heard people say, oh, the church is full of hypocrites and 
They're so judgmental. I, I, have, I found that that's not true, actually. I mean, not, not, it's not at our church. I don't know anybody in this church that's judgmental or unkind or uh, condemning. That's not, that's, not the, that's not the ethos of, the, of this church. Now, it might be as some people uh, in other churches, in other places, people who think they're Christians, but I'm going to tell you, if you know today what it is to be a Christian, if you understand your own sinful nature, if you understand your own need of God's grace and mercy in your life, there's no way on earth that you could be judgmental or condemning. You'd be a lunatic. No, with people of this church, we understand that we are sinners in need of God's grace and his mercy, and we rejoice in his grace and his mercy, and we sing about his grace and his mercy, and for that reason, there is no judgment or condemnation in us. At least, not usually. But sometimes it does raise its ugly head. My prayer is that anybody who ever comes through our doors, converted or unconverted, would always feel a place where they are loved and accepted, and they would feel the kindness of God at work in the members of this church. That your children would feel the kindness of God at work in their mom and dad. That your siblings, that your parents, that your family would experience the kindness of God at work in your life. Notice what Paul says here to, to, to Titus in verses 6 and 7. He generously poured out the Spirit upon us through Jesus Christ our Savior. Generously poured it out. Because in verse 7, because of his grace, he made us right in his sight. We see the mercy and the grace of God at work in us. Now, I don't know about you, but I have come to the conclusion that Alan Duncalf is greatly in need of God's mercy. Can you say that about yourself? Can you say, I am greatly in need of God's mercy? You, you, oh, that's good. Yeah, that's a, yeah we're, we're having a little revival here. Hallelujah. <laughs> Jesus said, blessed are those who are, blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. I want to be shown mercy, so therefore I'm going to be merciful. I'm going to be kind. You see, Pastor Allen, you don't know what my day is like. You don't know the people I'm dealing with. It has nothing to do with other people. Other people do not determine how you act and how you behave and what your attitude is. We are spirit-led. We're not led by people. And some people are led by their children. And whatever their kids do, they react. They're reacting, reacting. Stop reacting. Stop being, start being spirit-led. Be merciful. Be godly and Christ-like to those around you. The next thing you know, you will be the recipient of mercy and grace. So, how do we live like this? Well, here's what you need to know. The Spirit is empowering you to imitate God. Now, you need to know this. You need to know that. You need to know what the Spirit is doing in you. Now, I want you to see something. Because for many, many people from charismatic or Pentecostal uh, background or, or from those circles, they think the most important thing is the fruit of the, uh, is the gifts of the Spirit. And they, 
If I speak in tongues and if I can prophesy, if I can roll down the aisle and, and bark like a dog in Jesus' name and, and who knows what else, then this is great. This is, this is really spiritual. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. This is why you read in Romans 12, or 1 Corinthians 12, all about the, the, the spirit at work in the church through the gifts, and then you find it again in chapter 14. But sandwiched in between the, the action of the Spirit through the gifts is actually the, what we call the love chapter. Anybody remember that? And Paul's saying, man, you, you can prophesy, you can understand the tongues of angels, you can, you, all of that. But if you don't love, it's worth nothing. It's like clanging cymbals. It's empty, empty, empty. So the most important thing for us as Pentecostals or as Christians, is that we have the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And if the fruit of the Spirit is not at work in your life, you got nothing. You're empty. You're running on empty. And I've seen this, I can tell you, been, been a Pentecostal for 40 years, more than 40 years. And I can tell you that I have seen some horrible, horrible things all in the name of the Spirit. And I, I would consider it blasphemous because it has nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not against the, the gifts of the Spirit. I'd be a lunatic to stand up and say that because the Bible tells us of the work of the Spirit through, through gifts. But if the, if, the, if the fruit of the Spirit's not evident first, what's the point? Pastor Allen, I didn't come to church today and hear that. Well, here's what, here's what Paul says. He says to the believers in Ephesus, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. That's what we do. We imitate God. Now, I know for some of you, you may have heard, well, it's impossible to imitate God, and that's really the wrong approach to the Scripture. But i got to tell you something. You need to know and understand what it is that the Holy Spirit wants to do in you and through you. You need to understand that. You need to know the process. You need to know what's going on in your life. You need to know what is it that the Holy Spirit wants to do in my life today. And then you need to do what I said last week. You need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. You need to say, Holy Spirit, have your way in my life. In fact, that needs to be your prayer. And so, folks, for those of you who think that Christianity is all about the things that you don't do, you, you don't understand the Scripture. It's all about what you do. It's, it's imitating God. It's being like Christ. So in this passage, he calls believers to be imitators of God, and that word uh, imitator, mimitis in Greek, is the word uh, from which we get the word mimic. And a mimic is somebody who copies characteristics of another person. Now, it's not like a, not like a, a, a budgie or a, a parrot that just mimics whatever the owner does. No, we're, we, we've got a brain. We're, we're sentient beings. We are, we are thinking people. We are spiritual people. And so, therefore, we have the Spirit of God working in us, making us like him. Now, some of you have gone through some very difficult times in your life some struggles, and you've heard me say this many, many times. We, we quote Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good. 
those that love God and who are called according to his purposes, and we think, oh, goody, I'm going to get everything I want. God is a cosmic Santa Claus, and God's going to give me what I want. That's, that's a total misunderstanding of that scripture. What people forget is what the next verse says. And what does it say? What is the good that, that, that Paul's talking about here? That we would be conformed to the image of God. So God uses all the good things, all the difficult things. He uses these things to teach us how to be like Christ, how to mimic Christ. So Jesus says something like this, be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Matthew 5 48, and Peter says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. What does that mean? Well, God's called us to be just like him. And what is he like? He's kind. Every time you're kind, you are acting holy. What does holy mean? It means to be separated unto God. It's separated, made, taken apart, and put aside for God's purposes. No longer for evil purposes, but now set aside for, for, for God's purposes. That's who you are. And so every time you go out into this world, you go out there as one who is holy, set apart for God's purposes. And as you go forth in the name of God, you are going to act in kindness. Remember, it's not something that you can do in your own strength. You don't pick up this book and say, well, let's figure out who God is and I'm gonna start to imitate him. That's not how it works. We need the Holy Spirit to work this out in us and through us. You need to understand that. It's the fruit of the Spirit. But you need to understand exactly what it is that the Spirit is doing in you. Now you know. Now you know what the Spirit's doing in you every day from the minute that you wake up in the morning. So I would suggest when you wake up in the morning, say, good morning, Holy Spirit. What do you want to do in my life today? Have your way in my life today, oh God. You see, this is real Christianity. This is where the rubber meets the road. This is active Christianity. This is a Christianity that is all about imitating God manifesting God in the workplace, manifesting God in your home, around the, 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 the supper table, among, uh, around the breakfast table, in, in rush hour traffic, whatever it is that you're doing. You need to understand what the Spirit's doing in your life. I, I like this. Uh, this is a, a fantastic um, a description of kindness by Rick. Kindness conveys the idea of being adaptable to others. Did you see that? Rather than harshly requiring everyone else to adapt to your own needs and desires, Christotes is working in a believer. He seeks to become adaptable to the needs of others. That's what kindness is. So it's not, about, it's not all about you behaving the way I think you should behave, but it's about me responding to the Holy Spirit. Now watch this, it's really important. This is the exact opposite to what the social justice movement is all about. And we've been hearing no end of that. All, all manner of, of groups rising up and telling us how to behave. Black Lives Matter and, and, and critical race theory and on and on. I mean, look at, at, at face value. It looks good. It looks legitimate. But the problem with this is it doesn't... Is it, it doesn't cause us to look at ourselves. We want everybody else to change. Did you get that? Are you getting this? 
You must change. You must do this. You must do that. You must stop doing this. You must stop doing that. And everybody's out there telling everybody what they need to do. The Scripture doesn't operate this way. This is why the Apostle Paul and Jesus Christ himself does not stand in a soapbox preaching social justice issues. What Jesus tells us is that we must change. Now watch what happens, folks, when you and I start looking inward at what's wrong in our lives. That's the game changer. Because what's wrong in this world is me. Well, not just me. You're quick to say right. <laughs> not just me. What's wrong with this world is you. But now we're, we're flipping this thing right around. Now we're saying, I'm, I'm going to look at myself. I'm not going to look at you, and whether you, you're, you're damaging, the, the, damaging the world and with your using too big a vehicle or flying on airplanes and, and using too much gas and doing on and on. I mean, you know, this is what we do. We want to start judging and condemning everybody. No, 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 no. We're not judging or condemning anybody. We're looking at what's wrong in our lives. We're saying, what's wrong with me? And God, change me. This is what we're talking about here. He seeks to become adaptable to the needs of others. But it's a work in my life. It's something that I do in cooperation with the Holy Spirit. This is what changes a, 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 a country. This is what changes a community. This is what changes the world. We saw this in the great revivals, especially in Wales. Everybody got saved. Everybody's life was changed. And there was no need for anybody to talk about the injustices and the evils of alcohol because everybody quit drinking. We don't have to talk about the injustices of a crime on the streets because people just stopped committing crime. What happened? They were transformed by the power of Almighty God. Their own hearts were changed. So we want everybody else to change, but notice that it's everybody else. It's not my brother, not my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. So let me just quickly wrap this up this morning. I want you to understand the power of kindness. When you exercise kindness, don't for a minute think that this is an exercise in weakness, because some people think that if you're kind, well, that you're, you're, you're a, a meek, weak individual. No, no, there's great power in kindness. Listen to what Paul says to the believers in Rome, Romans chapter 2, verse 4. He says, don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? When you and I practice kindness to, to the disobedient and the foolish, it has the power to turn them from their sin. So we don't sit in judgment and condemnation. No, we let the spirit of Almighty God work in us and through us so that the kindness of God penetrates that hard broken life, that hard, broken heart. That's the power of kindness. What you may or may not know is when you go from this place exercising kindness on the, on the streets, in your home, with your neighbors, in your community, it has transformative powers. 
especially if you're a parent today, the power that that has over your children. Your children will be like Mrs. Hiller's children who will stand up at your funeral and say, what a wonderful and godly person you are or were. Would you stand with me, please? Father, we thank you today for the power of Almighty God at work in us. We thank you, God, that we are not mere observers of the Christian life or of Christianity. We are a people who are participants in the divine glory of Almighty God at work in us. And Father, some of us have heard the messages, the fruit of the Spirit, we've heard them for years, we know these things off by heart, but it's very easy to let our hearts grow cold and hard. Father, we pray right now in Jesus' name that you would show us those areas that need to be surrendered to you, those areas that, that are, are more in keeping with the evil nature rather than the spiritual nature. And we ask you to forgive us. God, grant to us grace today and grant to us strength to be people who are truly kind to everybody that we encounter. We pray it in Jesus' name. And everyone said it with me? Amen. Tell the person beside you, go be a kind person. <laughs>